Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Oh, what an absolute privilege it is to be here today. Uh, Thank you, musicians. Thank you for standing, actually, because I'd like to pray before we get into the Word. Is that cool with you? Um, Welcome to all the people who are watching online across the planet right now, wherever you are. I pray that this would be a very powerful a moment in your world today. And so we welcome you online as you watch with us. Wish you were with us, but great to have you online. Those in the house right now, are you ready for God to move? So let's believe God, all right? Let's pray with me right now. You may want to lift your hands, but let God be everything He can in your life right now. Father, we ask right across this place today, in Jesus' name, that You would come in power. We thank You for the amazing goodness of Your life. We, show you, we pray that You would show Yourself strong in our lives today. Thank you for making yourself a present in the worship today. God, we give you the honour, the praise and the glory. We thank you for miracles that would happen in this service this morning. God, we don't want to talk about them. We want to experience the miraculous of God. And Father, I pray right now that we would cause this place, even with our worship as angels, as have inhabited the praises of your people, that this would turn into a miracle zone in Jesus' name. That fear would leave you. That shackles of pain would leave you in Jesus' name. That your faith would rise to a, a, a fresh stance where you are ready for what God has for you in your next season in Jesus' mighty name. So God, we give you all the honour and all the glory right now. Amen. Why don't you give Jesus a huge hand clap now? And I was going to say these guys, but they're gone. They all went in the rapture while we were praying. That's all good. You can sit down. God bless you. Uh, What a privilege and an honour it is today um, to be with friends. And uh, uh, Pastor Byron is right. It's a a real, uh, I think, a privilege and an awesome time um, to be in the house with friends. Some of you I don't recognise, but how many many have never heard me before? Just, Just as a bit of a show of hands. Oh yeah, most of you have heard me before, that's all cool. So you know all about my testimony, about my miracles and about how good God is and how amazing God continues to be. And so uh, today, I uh, hope you came hungry because I've got a great message for you. And it's, if you want to get a title for it right now, it's Positioning Yourself for Your Finest Hour. Now I don't know where you're living right now, but I, I'm a great believer in the best is yet to come. I better get to my next point real quick. (laughs) Here's the thought I felt to give you. I'm reading a book at the moment by Dr. William Barclay. It's interesting what he says. I think good for church this morning because I think we in the Western world have maybe misunderstood preaching. I don't think we get it. (laughs) And... uh, And I think we need to understand. But he says this, and I love what he, he's speaking about Matthew chapter 13. And uh, in Matthew chapter 13, as you know, it's the parables of the sower went out to sow and some fell by the wayside and some fell on good ground. And it's all about the messages that Jesus brought, which incidentally, Jesus taught the crowds. He, He 
taught the crowds. He gathered the crowds and he taught them. But then he said to his disciples, they don't really get it. (laughs) And he took them aside and he said to them later on, I just want to, I want a dialogue with you guys. And it's interesting. I think we have a lot of monologue in the Christian world. I think we have a lot of monologue in our world today, but we have very little dialogue. And I think there's something incredibly powerful about dialogue. And Jesus would take the 12 aside and dialogue with them. And it's interesting, but they're the ones who went out and changed the planet. They're the ones that went out and changed the world. And um, it's interesting reading um, Dr. William Barclay, and he says this, he said, there is a great lesson in Matthew 13. In any church service, the congregation should preach more than half the sermon. That's a challenge. The congregation brings an atmosphere with it and that atmosphere will either be a barrier through which the preacher's word cannot penetrate the spirit or else it is such an expectation that even the poorest sermon becomes a living flame in the hearts of men and women. I think we stand here today because of the power of that statement. And I think we are in church today because this book has survived the preaching it's had over the years. This book survived and we're still here and we're still going strong and we're still believing and we're still in faith. And so consequently today's message, faith for your finest hour. And I believe we do need faith in this hour. I believe we need it like we've never had it before. I think we need faith. And, uh, but before I get into it, I want to say um, what a huge honour it is to stand in this, on this platform. And uh, I appreciate Pastor Byron's words. But it is an honour to stand here. I come here kind of year after year. I'm not sure whether it's because he's fr- I'm his friend or what it is, because I don't know why, but we end up here. And, um, and I want to say what a great honour and a privilege it is to stand on the platform in this church. And uh, the reason I say that, because sometimes I think it's taken for granted. And I think it's amazing, especially in this day of entitlement, that uh, people would stand here and think they've got a message, but really we want to get... We, I can only give you information today and God will give you revelation. I can only ever give you, all I can do is impart information that I've got from my journey and my experience and my devotion with God. And I'll give you that information. My prayer always is that he would download a revelation in your spirit that you would catch something that you would truly never be the same again because we don't want to leave like we came. I'm sure every one of us is hungry for change. And I myself personally, every time I turn up, I want God to do something in my life that would take me into another dimension. So I want to take care today then in that statement of first of all, not feeling any, like I don't deserve this part, but I want to honour the father of this house and um, Anne who's up in wherever they are. 
uh, today. But I want to honour you guys for what you've built here and provide the great platform for the Word of God to go out in revelation that would change lives and heal hearts and restore marriages and put lives back together. So I think we're in a privileged place today, guys. And I think that's something that we can get excited about right now. And uh, as we go into this book, because this is the truth that will set you free. This is the truth that will set you free. So I want to read you a couple of scriptures. I want to go to Romans chapter five in the RSV. So don't, it'll come up on, I think it'll come up. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, do you love that? If we're talking today about the journey of faith, if we're talking about living in your finest hour of faith for your finest hour, then we better understand that we're justified by faith. It's nothing we did, it's what God did in our world from the back to the front, the left to the right. Justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we, wow, how awesome is that? We've got peace with God. There was a generation that never had that relationship with God until Jesus gave his life. That's why we had communion this morning. Jesus restored our relationship. And I get excited about that. Through Him we have obtained access. There's a great word. Why don't we all yell that out? Access. We have obtained access to His grace in which we stand and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Wow. There's a message right there. We could all go home right on that note today. Let me read it to you again. Through him we have, we have obtained access to his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. That's the gospel. This is all about the gospel. It's not about anything else but the gospel. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Uh-oh. We rejoice. That's a strange term, isn't it? We rejoice in our sufferings. I don't know about you. I've never liked suffering. It's quiet enough here that I'd think some have. But uh, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces, listen for it, suffering produces endurance. And then endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Wow. That is an incredible, I hope you understand the power of what Paul was writing to the Romans there in explaining what incredible season they were coming into. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, another great uh, scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse three, it says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Anybody got your armour on today? Standing against anything the enemy would put against us and believing God that this is our hour. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your disobedience is, when your obedience, sorry, is fulfilled. One more scripture I want to read you, Philippians chapter three and verse 12. Well, it might not be the last one actually. I like the Bible, I don't know about you. Founded my life on this stuff. 
To me, it's the ultimate that you can found your life on the Word of God. And whatever storms, because the storms will come. Be assured the storms will come. Jesus never ever said for someone who's going through a storm today that there wouldn't be any storms. The promise He did make is that you would make it to the other side. Jesus always promised that you would go through it, that He would hold your hand, that He would be present with you and you could make it to the other side. So whatever you're facing today, let me assure you God's got the other side all ready for you. That's enough to get anybody excited. The other side is ready for you. Philippians chapter three and verse 12 says this, not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on. Now there's a faith statement right there. I press on. You know, when I was paralyzed and, and well, not paralyzed, I was a quadriplegic actually, from here down, nothing would move and nothing would work. It's in situations like that. We have got to find our God in the middle of our disaster and make Him real in the middle of what seems to be wrong because we sung it this morning with God, all things are possible. And so to believe that in the middle of a storm takes a little bit of courage and it takes faith to step out. It takes faith to get out of the boat and actually walk on the water. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's great to have a relationship with, with the God of the Word. It's one thing to have the Word in your life, but to have a relationship with the God of the Word. That's what Jesus won for. He won our relationship back. So it's not just a letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So when you live beyond the Word, when the Word actually becomes a living written book in your heart, then you have relationship with the Father, then I believe your faith goes to a whole new level. See, Abraham, he come out of, uh, I think he came out of Mesopotamia where they were worshipping idols. And he comes out and he has a revelation of God. And he has a revelation of Elohim, God the Creator, God the amazing Creator. And uh, it's great for his life because it empowers him to leave behind some stuff and to move out of that and to, to pursue this God the Creator. And there's got to be something in our heart that was consistently pursue what God wants to do in our next season. So Abraham was pursuing God. And uh, I love that because Paul said, after he'd had an incredible encounter on the road to Damascus, where he had been blinded by the light of Jesus' love, where he had got a miracle happen in his life, where he'd been set free, his shame had gone, his anger and his bitterness had all left, and he was a brand new man. And then Paul says, after all of that, when he's got an amazing relationship with Christ, he says, that I may know him. So I like to think of Abraham. He comes out and it's Elohim, God the Creator. And then one day, God sends up, turns up to him and he said, I just want to let you know that I want to change my, my revelation to you. And right now I'm going to turn up to you as El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. The God of more. And it's a journey and you can never stagnate where you are today because it's always a journey. And I want to know the God of my tomorrow. I want to meet the God of my tomorrow and I want to pursue Him now so that He turns up in my tomorrow. And El Shaddai turns up in Abraham's life when things weren't looking too good because he had a heart that would pursue God. 
And he took that journey and he kept going and he pursued God. And God turns up and says, I'm now El Shaddai. I will be more than enough for any need you have. Wow, that's the God I serve. That's why I'm walking today. That's why I have zero pain in my body. That's why this arm that was told it would never walk. I don't know if you can speak to an arm. I was told that this arm would never work again. And yet El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, revealed Himself to me in yet another dimension because I was pursuing God. I wasn't laying there thinking, let depression hang over me. Let, let, let darkness in, invoke me. Let me now live this life where I am lost and without God and and quadriplegic from the neck down. But no, I will still pursue the very presence of a holy God. And so God turned up in my room one night and He said, I wanna reveal another dimension of myself and it's gonna be Jehovah Rapha. I'm now your healer. I'm gonna put your body back together and you're gonna walk out of this hospital. Now that's the God we serve. He's a God and we haven't even fathomed it yet. He's God of so many different dimensions. He's got a dimension for you this morning. And if you feel like today, that it's just, and I feel this is somebody here today, that life is just like a washing machine cycle that you keep going round and round, like in that washing machine cycle. I believe God's speaking to you today and say it's time to step out of that cycle by the power of the revelation of God that breaks you free of that and releases you into a visionary future. And I feel that in this house today. <clears throat> I've got to keep drinking. I lost my voice the other day. I've been going for it too much in New Zealand. Did we ever get to the end of Philippians 3? Okay, we better do that. Brethren, verse 13, I, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach toward those things which are ahead. 14 says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. I love that. I press toward the goal. Reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood who refused to be where she was, who knew that this Jehovah Rapha, our healer, could be touched in reality if you just stretch your arm out and push through the crowd a little bit of your mindset, your thinking, and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And instantly the miracles flowed into her life and she was completely healed. Therefore, it goes on to say, uh, I press toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us have the same mind. There's something about agreeing on the Word of God that unlocks the future for you. It unlocks the future. I love the Word of God. It's always empowered my life. And uh, I think we've got to come to a place where we begin to understand that God doesn't want us to be static. Um, I think, and, I, and I, I say this beautifully to those of you online and those in this building, but I think too many times, I think as Christians, we tend to start off great, but we seem to get into a comatose state and remain there for too long. And I think God wants to snap us out of the coma and cause us to come alive in this exciting day in which we live. Because I don't know about you, but I believe this is probably the most exciting time of all. 
And I would challenge you today, are you living in God's expectation of what He's got for your life today? And so um, I used to say, I've got six points for you, but I don't do that anymore because I've never ever got through the six yet. (laughs) Now I just say, I've got a few points, a few thoughts to share with you. When you look bored and tired, my final point is. But, but anyway, anyway, on that note today, uh, just a thought for you today. How are you positioned right now to let faith outwork your finest hour? How are we positioning ourselves to let faith outwork in our finest hour? Listen to this. I love this stuff. This is the Bible. Sorry for reading it off my iPhone. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 17. Listen to this. You will not need to fight in this battle. Oh, come on. You will not need to fight in this battle. Now, see, I think a lot of us are trying to fight our way through. I meet Christian after Christian who's worn out. They're tired. They're, they're over church. They're, uh, they're living sort of half excited lives. And uh, the passion's gone. The enthusiasm's gone. I don't know about you, but when we get in a place like this today and we start worshipping like we were, I can't help myself to start jumping a little bit. And I like jumping because it's just like, take that devil. Thought you could take my spring out of my step, but I'm going to jump and I'm going to dance in the presence of God like David did. And uh, so the reason I like to do that is because I have not forgotten the day in 18 Ross Street when I knelt down in front of our little lounge suite where a friend of mine had come. Well, he wasn't really a friend. He was a, well, he was a friend because a friend should challenge you a bit. I think we've got fluffy friends most of the time. We just let us live, live our, yeah, we have too, haven't we? Dogs and cats. And we like our dogs and cats because they don't challenge us and they don't push us toward a better position, they let us remain where we are. And we run around after them and we do all sorts of things. And that's why they're grinning most of the time. But it's amazing, isn't it? I knelt down that day and received Christ into my heart. Now, it was an amazing, amazing experience. I will never forget that day. Um, I'm just right now, sorry for doing this, but I'm going to tell you the exact date. It was Thursday, the 10th of October, 1978, which is 43 years ago, when Jesus Christ came into my heart. And I'll tell you, the best thing you can ever hold on to is that experience. That's what the gospel, that's what this is all about. It's about Jesus Christ coming in and forgiving you for your sin, your shame, your, your failures, your mess ups. And he says, I'm going to make you a brand new person. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you. We came in here this morning. And because I love this when I read this, you will not need to fight in this battle. And I'm like, God, how can that even be? And here's the deal. If you understand Calvary, and I do from that day that I knelt down before Christ and received him into my heart and, 
And uh, then uh, two weeks later, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And boy, if you ain't got the Holy Spirit, and I kind of think most haven't, because something happens in your world. It changes things. Our whole street got saved. I used to have the wildest parties in the street. And so we should. And so what I did, because some religious nut told me we shouldn't have parties anymore. I said, no, I like my parties. So we just did the parties different. I remember the first party we did, unprompted by a living soul and hadn't even read the story of Elijah and Elisha yet. But the first party we did, we cutted our TV out on the front lawn. We took all our alcohol out of the cupboards, tipped it over the TV. Then we got out my beautiful deep purple ACDC, <laughs> those big 33 and a half inch things and took them out and smashed them on top of the TV. That hurts today. <laughs> then I got my kids to throw bricks at the TV screen. And then we lit fire to it. <laughs> I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I just didn't want that stuff in my world anymore. Because I was changed on the inside out. I was a brand new man. People would say to me, what the heck's happened to you? What's different about you? I think half of the problem today, we ain't that different anymore. Oopsie, sorry. We ain't that different anymore. They were so challenged by my difference that they wanted to know what caused it. And I think it's great when they're asking you questions like that. Yeah, just think on that. Smile. Even if you've only got three teeth, smile a little bit about that one. <laughs> if I could get one more of these, that'd be fantastic. Thank you and please. Um, let me carry on with this. You will not need to fight in this battle. Then it says this, position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, which to me, we had the prime opportunity this morning to position ourselves in worship. I think sometimes we're waiting for the next thing when right there is this most amazing worship that we can get so excited about and so carried away in and literally be so grateful to a God. You see, here's the issue. I think this is an issue with many of our lives. I think self-pity and gratitude cannot occupy the same space. And we've got self-pity and all sorts of things going on in here. And yet we want to be grateful to our God. You've got to position yourself out of that battle and let God do that battle and break that off your world and set you free into a place of incredible freedom where you carry what you had then today and it increases into your tomorrow. Because I think we get, we get stuck there. And I meet so many who are stuck. And, and here's what I mean. I got this letter Three weeks ago, I got this little, was a text, so whatever. But it says this, Dear Dom, 
I just want to thank you so much for being in my world. 43 years ago, you may not remember me, but you entered into my world and you brought Jesus to our street. My life has always been a struggle, but finally I woke up to what you brought to our house that night. I'm living for Jesus now. Just letting you know, but today I led two people to Christ because I remembered how passionate you were and I want to live like that. Thank you for bringing Jesus to our street. Now, I think every one of us has a bit of Jesus on the inside. I'm just not sure he shines that bright sometimes. I'm, I was walking, I was actually, I went to the, to the um, shop. I went to Westfield in New Zealand before I came here. And uh, I went to get some deodorant so I'd smell nice when I was hugging you guys today. And uh, so I went to get some deodorant and, and I went into this place called Farmers in New Zealand, which is an incredible shop and brought my deodorant and they gave it to me in a nice little bag. And I'm just walking out and I was, it's a weird thing in that I was walking out and I think you've got to choose to position yourself in a place of gratefulness toward God for what He consistently does in your life. And I was reminded how just 11 years ago, I couldn't put one foot in front of the other and it wouldn't follow because I was, everything was dead. And I was thinking, God, you are so awesome. You have healed my body. I'm able to do pretty much anything I like. And I was walking out holding this little, little bag with a stick deodorant in it. And I'm walking out of there. And a lady, um, she, she was walking toward me. And we sort of caught eyes as we were walking. And as she got closer, her grin got bigger and bigger. And she said, what is it about you? And uh, I thought, well, I've got deodorant. Could I make it a bit better? <laughs> she said, there's something about you. You look so excited. And uh, I, I was, at first of all, and I think it's a challenge to us. So we want to be asked these questions. But I thought, well, what is it? Is it my new mo? I've got the mo back. Maybe it's the mo. And she said, listen, there's something about you. And it touched me as I was walking toward you. And I said, and it just so happened that there was a little shop there called the Muffin Break. And I said, why don't we have a coffee together? Maybe I can share that with you. And uh, we sat down on the little Muffin Break and I shared how Jesus Christ is so real to me and so incredibly powerful. And I still remember the very first time I ever came into church and thinking, wow, wow. I still remember weeping because I'd never been in a place where you could feel the presence of God like that. And I remember weeping in church that very first day I took my whole family along and uh, my life was changed forever because of the amazing presence of a holy God. And I shared it with this lady who wasn't going to church and I said, you need to come and visit us next Sunday because I think God wants to do something amazing. Not by chance you get caught up in a, in a situation like that. She turned up at church and said, and you know what it's like, hey, when you bring your friends to church? I hope you know. It's gonna be the worst Sunday you ever had. 
The mics are not going to work properly. Someone will do something totally outlandish. The preacher's a Kiwi. Stuff goes wrong. The mic messed up. There were so many things. I think someone even stood in that service and yelled out something crazy. And I was thinking, no. And yet, do you know, at the end of that service, she made her way down and stood on that altar and received a transforming, powerful touch of the power of the Heavenly Father. God got in her life. Let me tell you right now, friends, we need to reposition ourselves and get ourselves right for what God wants to do in this next season. I'm convinced of it, friend, convinced of it. Too many times. You see, God, see, I think sometimes if we don't continue to live it on the edge, we want to be in the comfort zone. We want to get locked down. We want to be, I think we want to be comatosed because sometimes it doesn't hurt when you're comatose. The pain no longer hurts. When your friends disappoint you, when they walk out on you, when they stab you in the back, you don't feel it when you're comatose. But when you're, you're alive and living, you feel the pain and you have to go back and position yourself back in that place of worship because God, I need you in my world right now so I can face my tomorrow. And I really believe here today, and if I can challenge you, it's really on my heart in this days because Jesus said in the last days, many would be deceived. You know, they said to him, what will be the sign of your coming? And he was talking about the temple being torn down and in three days I'll, it'll, I'll rebuild it. And they said, what, what will be the sign of your coming? And Jesus says these horrible words. He says, before I return, many will be deceived. If ever we're living in a day where people are deceived, by the lifestyle, by, by comatization, by, by boredom, by not just being alive in God, I reckon this is it. And I reckon let's come alive with what God wants to do. God wants to change the whole world. He truly does. He wants to change the whole world. Listen to this one. I like this too. Hebrews chapter 12. I'll finish with this. My final thought. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse, starting at verse one. You will need to position yourself for a breakthrough. Cut away, this is in the NASB by the way. Cut away the weights and the unbelief in your life. Things that are pulling you down and getting you off track. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses that surround us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run. Come on Highway Church, let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's make a decision that we're going to reposition ourselves. My son, I'll just share this one story. My son, Regan, who um, 10 years ago, sadly went to heaven. Um, I remember Regan when he was, uh, we were in New Zealand at the time and he was six years old, truth be known, he was six years old in any city in the world, but he was six years old and he went, he'd been at school for one year, one year at school. And I remember him, he came home uh, sparkly and, and effervescent and supercharged. And this was his message. 
And he said, Dad, I don't need to go to school any longer. And I thought, wow. How do you get that, son? Where do you get that thinking from? He said, well, I've learned to read. I've caught up with my sister. Don't have to go back now. I've got it all together. (laughs) And it's interesting, I had to convince him. I had to reposition his thinking that, hey, he's got at least another seven, eight years of education so that he can multiply as well. And then he can go out and become a great businessman. And I thought, just thinking of that as I was preparing this message, I thought, isn't it sad that sometimes we think we've arrived and we think we've got all that God's got for us. But can I tell you today, there is so, so, so much more that God has got in store for you. So much more. He went on to be a great businessman, incredible company, influenced and affected the lives of literally hundreds of people who still connect with me today. And friend, let me tell you today, I really believe that every one of us here, I wanna declare over your life today, there is so, so, so much more. And I wanna wanna stir your faith. Faith for your finest hour is in your next step. It's not looking back. I don't want to look back anymore. I want to look forward. I want to look forward. I went and spoke at a, at a church. I've never been there before in my life. Got invited two weeks ago to go speak at a church. Walked in and uh, the pastor's wife, I didn't even know them. She comes up and she gives me a big hug. And she says, thank you so much. I lived in Ross Street. And you led me to Jesus when I was a 12-year-old girl. And then she said, I went home and told my mum what you did. And my mum came to your house and she got saved too. And then my dad came and our whole family got saved back there. And now here we are pastoring this church. And I thought, man alive, God, let it live on from generation to generation. You and I can influence this planet. I want to tell you, I don't care what's happening politically. I don't care what the devil's trying to undermine it with. We have the faith and the power of God in our lives and we can bring, it, we can bring right now heaven to earth. That's why we pray that prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that can happen right here today. I want you to carry that out. I've got to stop, my time's up. I don't know what the heck, it's gone into the minus signal anyway. (laughs) It's still black and white, which is probably good. It hasn't gone red yet. But red always feels like my colour anyway. Because I've crawled up the blood-stained carpet to the foot of the cross and received incredible forgiveness right there which has made my life all it can be. So as I close, I want to pray with you before we go. And I want to, yeah, why don't you bow your heads. Father, I thank you right across this place today for an incredible, incredible presence of a holy God. Lord, as we came and positioned ourselves today, some of us had to press through a little bit. Some of us might have struggled to press through a little bit, God.
but we came into your house to worship you this morning. And I want to thank you for the opportunity to worship you, mighty God. You are so, so good. And God, as we worship you this morning, I know that shackles let go. I know that someone's got healed in that worship. I know that right now, Lord God, that some of our emotions were restored and some of the, the frayed emotions of the week that's gone, where we'd been ripped and torn and, and disappointed and discouraged, that God, we come into your presence today and we position ourselves where you fight our battle for us as we worship you. And God, I thank you today that you have restored us and healed us and put our minds back together and unshackled the fear that we faced about our future and the uncertainty. And today, God, we have met with you and met with a miracle in this place in Jesus' name. 